Chapter 27 The March of the Imperialists It was an unusually fine day for the time of year, and they passed around the Grand Parade, which faced due south, and they felt quite warm there. The parade was crowded with richly dressed and bedewed loafers, with countenances in many instances which bore unmistakable signs of drunkenness and gluttony. Some of the females had tried to conceal the ravages of vice and dissipation by coating their faces with powder and paint. Mingling with and part of this crowd were a number of well-fed-looking individuals dressed in long garments of black cloth of the finest texture and broad-brimmed, soft-felt hats. Most of these persons had gold rings on their soft white fingers and glove-like kid or calfskin boots on their feet. They belonged to the great army of impostors who obtain an easy living by taking advantage of the ignorance and simplicity of their fellow men and pretending to be the followers and servants of the lowly carpenter of Nazareth, the man of sorrows, who had not anywhere to lay his head. None of these black-garbed disciples were associated with the groups of unemployed carpenters and bricklayers and plasterers and painters who stood here and there in the carriageway, dressed in mean and shabby clothing and with faces pale with privation. Many of these latter were known to our friends with the cart and nodded to them as they passed by. Now and then some of them came over and walked a little distance by their side, inquiring whether there was any news of another job at Rushton's. When they were about halfway down the parade, just near the fountain, Crass and his mates encountered a number of men on, on whose arms were white bands with the word Collector in black letters. They carried collecting boxes and accosted the people in the street begging for money for the unemployed. These men were a kind of skirmishers for the main body which could be seen some distance behind. In the procession, as it drew near, Sorkin steered the cart into the curb and halted as they went past. There were about three hundred men altogether, marching four abreast. They carried three large white banners with black letters. Thanks to our subscribers! And in aid of genuine unemployed! And the children must be fed! And although there were a number of artisans in the procession, the majority of the men belonged to what's called the unskilled labour class. The skilled artisans does not, as a rule, rule, take part in such a procession, except as a very last resource. And all the time he strives to keep up with the appearance of being well-to-do, and it would be highly indignant if anyone suggested that he was really on a condition of the abject, miserable poverty. That's where he was. Although he knows that his children are often not so well-fed as are the pet dogs and cats of his betters, he tries to bluff his neighbours into thinking that he has some mysterious private means of which, well, they know nothing, and conceals his poverty as if it were a crime. Most of the class of men would rather starve than beg, and consequently not more than a quarter of the men in the procession were skilled artisans. The majority were labourers. 
There was also a sprinkling of those unfortunate outcasts of society, tramps and destitute drunken loafers. If the self-righteous hypocrites who despised these poor wretches had been subjected to the same conditions, well, the majority of them would inevitably become just the same as these. Haggard, pale, shabbily or raggedly dressed, their boots broken and down at heel, they slouched past. Some of them stared about with a dazed or half-wild expression, but most of them walked with downcast eyes, or stared blankly straight in front of them. They appeared utterly broken-spirited, hopeless, and ashamed. Yeah, well, if anyone can see what they are, can't we, eh? There isn't fifty genuine trades within the old crowd, and most of them wouldn't work if they had an offer of it. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking, agreed Sawkins with a laugh. Yeah, well, there'll be plenty of time to say that when they've been offered work and have refused to do it, said Owen. Yeah, well, that sort of thing does the town a lot of harm, remarked Slime. It oughtn't be allowed. Police ought to stop it. It's enough to drive all the gentry out of the place, isn't it? Yeah, bloody disgraceful, I calls it, said Crass. "'marching along the Grand Parade in a beautiful day like this, "'just at the very time when most of the gentry is out, "'enjoying the fresh air.' "'Yeah, well, I suppose you think that you ought to stay at home "'and starve quietly, then,' said Owen. "'I don't see why these men should care what harm they do to the town. "'The town doesn't seem to care what becomes of them.' "'Do you believe in this sort of thing, then?' asked Slime. "'No.' Certainly not. I don't believe in begging as a favour for what is one entitled to demand as a right from those thieves who've robbed them who are now enjoying the fruits of their labour. For the look of shame on their faces, you might think that they were the criminals instead of being the victims. Yeah, well, you've got to admit that most of them are very inferior men, aren't they? said Crass with a self-satisfied air. There's very few mechanics among them, eh? Yeah, well, what about it if there are? And what difference does that make, said Owen? They're human beings, and they have as much right to live as anyone else. And what is called unskilled labour is just as necessary and useful as yours and mine. I'm no more capable of doing the unskilled labour than most of these men, than most of them could do be capable of doing my work, eh? Yeah, well... If they were skilled tradesmen, they might find it easier to get a job then, said Crass. Owen laughed offensively. Do you mean to say that you think that if all these men could be transformed into skilled carpenters and plasterers and bricklayers and painters, it's going to be easier for all these other chaps whom we passed a little while ago to get work? Is it possible that you or any other sane man could believe anything so silly as that. Krauss didn't reply. If there's not enough work to employ all the mechanics who we see standing idle about in the street, how's it going to help these labourers in the procession if they could all become skilled workmen? Still Krauss didn't answer, and neither did Slime nor Sawkins come to his assistance. And if that could be done, continued Owen. 
It would simply make things worse for those who are already skilled mechanics, eh? A great number of skilled workers, keener competition for the skilled workmen's jobs, you know, a larger number of mechanics out of employment, and consequently improved opportunities for employers just to reduce wages. That's probably the reason why the Liberal Party, which consists for the most part of exploiters of labour, procured the great Jim Scolds to tell us that improved technical education is the remedy for unemployment and poverty. Ha! Yeah, well, I suppose you think that Jim Scolds is a bloody fool, the same as everybody else. What, well, don't see your way, eh? said Sawkins. Yeah, well, I should think that he was a fool, if I thought he believed what he says. But I don't think he believes it. He says it because he thinks the majority of the working class are such fools that they'll believe him. And if he didn't think that most of us are fools, he wouldn't tell us such yarns as that. Yeah, well, I suppose you think this is an opinion that ain't far wrong, said snarled Crass. Yeah, well, we should be better able to judge of that after the next general election, said Owen. If the working classes again elect a majority of Liberals or Tory landlords and employers to rule over them, well, it'll improve that Jim Scholes' estimate of their intelligence is just about right. Well, anyhow, persisted Slime, I really don't think it's the right thing that they should be allowed to go marching about like that, driving visitors out of the town. Well, what do you think they ought to do, then? demanded Owen. Well, let the buggers go to the bloody workhouse, shouted Crass. Yes, but before they could be received there, they'd have to be absolutely homeless and destitute, and then the ratepayers would have to keep them, and it costs about 12 shillings a week for each inmate, so it seems to me that it would be far more sensible and economical for the community to employ them on some productive work. They had by this time arrived at the yard. The steps and ladders were put away in their places, and the dirty paint pots and pails were placed in the paint shop on the bench and on the floor. With what had previously been brought back, there was a great many of these things, all needing to be cleaned out. So Bert, at any rate, stood in no danger of being out of employment for some time to come. When they were paid at the office, Owen, on opening his envelope, found it contained, as usual, a timesheet for the next week, which meant that he was not stood off, although he did not know what work there was to do. Crass and Slime were both to go to the cave to fix the Venetian blinds, and Sawkins also was to come to work, as usual.